KXNO. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. everybody and welcome in it's miller and condon on a thursday with a little bounce on our step we head into the next couple of hours here as uh, we talk sports with you from 10 until noon uh, coming up today on the bmw of des moines guest list we'll get to that right off the bat here it's uh, pretty excited about today's show i'm going to talk some hockey uh joe o'donnell wild joe radio on twitter the iowa wild are back in town they've been gone a long time i think they got 10 out of their next 11 uh at uh, wells fargo Arena. This is a team that's playing very good hockey. They've got the best player on their team uh, back uh, in tow. So we win Jerry Mayhew. So we'll talk to um, Wild Joe Radio. Joe O'Donnell coming up. Bill uh, Ben Jacobson. Not uh, Bill Jacobson. Ben Jacobson. Bill Jacobson's Mike Jacobson's dad. Ben Jacobson <laughs> is the head coach of the UNI Panthers, uh, and he'll be here. And he will. Uh, well, we'll talk about last night's. Come from behind victory over Valpo, a nice win for the Panthers last night as they maintain their place at the top of the Missouri Valley Conference. Frank Schwab will be here, and uh, then we will wrap things up with Mark Morehouse from the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Take a look at what Mark's been up to. He's been busy opining, kind of speculating a little bit on what the uh, next depth chart will look like uh, for Iowa football, and we've got a long ways to go before that, but still, uh, a lot of topics out there. Uh, Northwestern got a little bit of a bump with Trent Green's kid was great. Granted, another year of eligibility. The Northwestern, as you know, had a disappointing season. Quarterback was a major, major issue there. Uh, is it T.C. Green? Yes. Yeah, T.C. Green. That should be easy for you, T.C. Or is it T.J. Green? It might be T.J. T.J. Green. might yes. be T.J. Green. Which is my middle initial. Well, there you go. Yeah, my, my aunt called me T.J. all the time growing up. Didn't stick. Even put it on the back of my T. Now, TC stuck, though. TC stuck. TC has stuck. Well, we're going to talk a lot of basketball in the first segment. Two games that we're going to talk about. We'll take a look back at uh, Valpo, Northern Iowa. You know what? And a lot of people, and I get it, they don't like the ESPN Plus, and I'm really one of them. But I was kind of starting to get, the old man's starting to get pretty good at that trend, navigating my way around the. Um, the ESPN Plus for when Baylor and Iowa State would go to commercial, flip over and watch Valpo and the Panthers. And that's one of the things that I guess I didn't realize uh, that how many games from the Drake's on tonight. Mm-hmm. So be able to watch the Bulldogs when normally if you don't go down there, you wouldn't be able to in a lot of cases. So uh, pretty good. But you and I had a nice win last night. Iowa State on the road. Look, there's a reason Baylor sits where they do in the pantheon of college basketball. There is not a dominant team this year, but... There's a bunch of teams that are fighting for the right to be called one of the top teams in the country. Uh, and I think Scott Drew has one. I really do. This was a close basketball game. Jackson's foul at the end of the first half was really ticky-tack, mm-hmm. but it was a foul. I mean, the kid that, uh, who was it, Murphy, that uh, rose up to take the shot at the buzzer, he doesn't have eyes in the back of you. We you know we've, and I, and I hate it. I do. I hate when guys... Rise up to take the shot. Take like an Aaron White move, right? Yes, Kick yes. their leg out. Draw the foul. Lean in. Yeah. Shoulder into somebody. Right. I mean, the leg is worse than the lean in to uh, me. Yeah. The, the leg kick to me just has no business in the game. But uh, this kid, Murphy, who did it last night, I'm pretty sure it was him. He didn't know that Jackson was behind him. He doesn't have eyes in the back of his head. But uh, it was a big foul. Instead of going uh, into the locker room down two, they went in down five. Big big run uh, for Baylor to start the second half, and they just pulled away from Iowa State, who to a man, both coach and player, 
uh, felt like they were too soft uh, in the final 20 minutes. And you could see that in a couple of those runs where you saw the shoulders slumped over and just the head down and going back. And well, that's going to be the case when you're eight and seven and things start to go poorly. There's been a lot of those negative memories that are certainly in the memory bank. And, and I think you saw a little bit of that from Iowa State last night. Outside of the couple runs, though, I don't think they played awful. My biggest takeaway is just Baylor's really Yeah, they really are really good, good Trent. Gillespie was uh, was terrific. Mitchell Butler. Um, you know who I liked last night? Vital, although he yeah. really struggled at the free throw line. Um, One of five. Is that what he finished? Yeah. One of five. Boy, he was bad. Rebounding-wise, they controlled the glass. Uh, Iowa State was overmatched last night. That was a better team that they were sharing the floor with. It's just a credit, again, to Scott Drew doing it a different way. We talked about this yesterday. For years, traditionally, it was they played Pretty traditional. A couple of bigs were always a long team, it felt like. Maybe they'd have a was a Tweety Carter, a guy like that that mm-hmm. was a little dynamo point guard. But for the most part, it was always about their length. And then they'd run the zone defense to go along with it. Well, with the injury to Tristan Clark, they realized they were going to have to play a different way this year. So they went to a four-guard lineup. Tristan Clark still isn't right. right but no. they're able to do that. They're playing more man defense than they ever have before. Yeah. And it's showing up on that end of the floor. They've had some good defensive teams, and I think a lot of that was just because a lot of times the shot blockers they'd have inside, things like that. This is doing it a different way, and I think nationally they're one of the top five in the country in defensive efficiency. They're playing at a really high level and doing it a different way. More credit to Scott Drew. No did, doubt. did you see the graphic that they had up? Number of times that Baylor basketball had been ranked in the top 25 before Scott Drew got there? Yeah, I probably did, but didn't pay attention. What did it say? So uh, they have been ranked, I, I want to say... 200 and some games that they played. They played over 2,000 games as a program, and 225, I think, was the number that Scott Drew has been there. Before that, how many? They played two games as a ranked (laughs) program ever. Wow. Ever. Look what he's done at that. Look what he's done at that institution, right? I mean, there's murder in that program. Yes. Um, and what he's and where where he has this program? Look, I don't know if they're going to win the Big Twelve. I think they're certainly it's it's them, it's Kansas, and I still think Huggins' team's got a prayer. I think I'll, I'll put I them below those them. two. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll put them below those. I think two. there's a gap there, mm-hmm. and I think that they're kind of third alone, and they're their own tier. Right, tier one, Kansas, Baylor. Yes, Baylor. I go Kansas. the other way. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the way to do it. Second tier is West Virginia uh-huh. alone. And then help me out. I can't. I mean, Texas Tech, I think we both believe in Chris Beard. Mm-hmm. But they're young. They are very young. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And when Ramsey's on, when Ramsey's going, they're a different basketball team. We did our power rankings for our television show, Inside the Numbers on Mediacom, yesterday. And we did our top five of the Big 12. We both ended up at TCU. And I think that's more merit-based as opposed to how good, at least me, I believe TCU actually is. Well, we, the reason I put them there is, is I had to put someone there. Right. And that's the problem here. It's, it's yeah. Texas is Awful offensively. Now they were beating, they were pounding Oklahoma State. I'm assuming they hung on and win. They R1, did, right? Yeah, it got a little tighter. Did it get a little tighter? Yep. But uh, did, did Oklahoma going? State's going the wrong yeah, way. They're not good, Trent. They're not good. Look, the bottom of the Big Twelve is with Oklahoma State. I hate to say it. Iowa State uh, is 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 there now. Um, uh, K State's probably in that conversation. So we will see. But I'm with you. It's it's those two, and then West Virginia, and then you know, draw numbers or draw names out of a hat, kind of mm-hmm. like the Big Ten. Watched a ton of Big Ten basketball last night as well. Um, boy, oh boy, uh, this conference. I missed the run out of Penn State when they got the lead. Mm-hmm. They're late in the first half. That was the part I put the kids to bed. So right. I missed that part of it. 
how did that happen? I mean, you know, Trent, I was the same way. I was watching the end of, uh, might have been, I, I wasn't there at that time. Yeah. I was watching, I was still on ESPN+. Plus. Okay, yeah, and then all of a sudden, because it was kind of back and forth, uh-huh. and I, I was slipping back and forth between that and the Iowa State and the UNI games, and all right, that's probably how it's going to be, and all of a sudden, Penn State's up nine. I'm mm-hmm. like, whoa, what happened there? And then Minnesota comes back, Arturo continues to play at a high level. And Carr. That guy, from what we saw at Carver Hawkeye, uh, what, what is that, almost a month ago now? Yeah. To the guy that we see now, I mean, he... Yeah, was it a month? Yeah, it was over a month Over ago. a month ago, yeah. He uh, he looks a lot different than the guy mm-hmm. we saw that. He was awful. He was absolutely awful. Kalsher can throw it into the ocean, a really good shooter. That was terrible shooting the ball in Carver. When the Hawks go up to the barn here in a few weeks... You're going to see a different gopher team than the one you saw at Carver. I think so, and they're certainly playing well at home, as you could say for the most part about every team uh, in that uh, in college basketball's best conference. So you and I, you know, we, you, you were talking about West Virginia a minute ago. Do you remember that game against West Virginia? You and mm-hmm. I had them beat. Yes. And I know we got Ben Jacobson coming up, and I don't know what the statute of limitations are as far as coaches not criticizing officials but reminding uh-huh. us. I'm going to ask him about it because – I remember there was a couple of minutes span right at the end of the game when I thought you and I was going to win, and the officials seemingly uh, no, they, they didn't. I don't want. I don't want. You know, stop. Full stop. And the calls did not go their way. A lot of physicality. Yes. A lot of bumping. Right. A lot of grinding. And I, as I was watching it, and was I cheering? Not cheering, but do I, I want... You didn't have pom-poms out, right, but you wanted right. you and I to win. And so it was maybe my vision a little bit skewed or biased. I thought that they had some bad calls go against them. I did. And it, and it opened up a door for West Virginia when I thought the Panthers were going to really take down a Big 12 school. And at the time, we were talking about, well, it's, it's a one-bid league. you got to win. Well, this UNI team might be pretty good. Perhaps there's an outlier. That would have been a nice win is where I'm going because look where they sit now. Really, uh, you go back to that game. They had the double-digit lead for most of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they really gained control early in the uh, late in the first half. And from there, looked like they were going to coast into the victory. But... Well, as we saw in the NCAA tournament, I hate to open up old wounds, but against Texas A&M and the way it collapsed there, it was the full court pressure, and they weren't able to handle it. They weren't able to handle that pressure. They kept turning it over, and it was the same story in that game against West Virginia. They have that one in their pocket right now. Now, of course, you can play the other part of it. Who knows what that kind of did for their mental toughness and understanding late-game situations, and maybe they would have lost another game. Maybe they don't beat, win that Colorado game because of the loss they take earlier. But in itself, just in a vacuum, you put that there. This team has one loss. They have a top 10 victory against West Virginia. And you're talking about a team absolutely, even without winning Arch Madness, is going to be in the NCAA tournament. Now, that wiggle room's gone. Mm-hmm. But I still think there is a path Maybe. for the Panthers to get there. Maybe. They already have one conference loss you can handle. Two more? Two more if you get to the championship. Uh-huh. I think that would probably be right. So that would give them what uh, four losses on the season, fifth in the conference tournament. Well, you're looking at twenty-seven and five. It's pretty good. You know what? It uh, reminds me. It's probably time to start going down our weekly bracketology uh, uh-huh. visits with our guy Shelby Mass from USA Today. Uh, here's the thing: with without the without the upper echelon, with the lack of big name teams and and a dominant team. Is this going to maybe be the year, not a market correction, but you know the the criticism, right? Is you know you're going to take a, t- a bad team at the at, a, at the tail end of a, a Power Five conference, you're going to stick them in. Why don't you give a better team that finishes second in a one bid conference an opportunity to participate in the Big Dance? And that's a you know year after year after year. Might this be the year that we get that 
market correction? I would hope so, but it's funny you mention that because we have seen more and more it actually slide away from that from the years, not just the Missouri Valley and the conferences changed without Creighton and Wichita, but you go some of the other conferences out there. The Southern Conference had a couple of bids many different times. We've seen the Colonial. Of course, VCU made the run when they were a Colonial member. George Mason, mm-hmm. another Colonial member at the time, making runs and getting to the Final Four. And those were leagues that had multiple bids. But recently, we've seen those mid-major leagues kind of take a step back. And with it, you're getting more of the 17 and 14 power conference team that gets in there. And it's unfortunate. I do wonder, remember, in the end, this is all a TV show, right? Yeah. And with the advent of the 60-18 bracket as opposed to the 64-65 that we had for so many years, those televised games, we got Iowa-Tennessee one year. Well, those are mm-hmm. two brand names. Yep. As opposed was that the to, year that Dockerman and McCaffrey got after it? Yes, about the play-in, play-in game. Play-in game, yes. it's not a play-in game. Yeah, I remember, it's a play-in game. They, uh, because of that, you get that, that's going to get ratings. But if you put Monmouth, who had a really nice year a couple years ago but didn't get in, right. against whoever, Northern Iowa, uh-huh. what's going to rate better? Well, it's Tennessee-Iowa. Yes, of course. I, you hate to say that it's that's true. a part, but... I think it's a part I of it, too. it is, too. We'll see. Uh, by the way, I hope you bet Alabama last night. I because did. at the end of the show, uh, you were telling me that uh, we, one of your plays was Alabama over Auburn, and I thought you were nuts. Mm-hmm. They crushed them. Uh, it's, and I uh, just got a tweet from Uwudu on Twitter that said, thanks for the call nice. on, on Alabama So how many last points night. did you... What, what did the, I what went money it, line, because it, it was one and a half when I went to bet it. And you uh, you looked at that line and thought it was fishy. Because it stunk. Uh, yeah, Auburn's unbeaten. Yeah. <laughs> Right, it was kind of like the Iowa State Oklahoma line from last mm-hmm. Saturday, right? Yes. Iowa State. Look, are you kidding me? You're only giving up two to Oklahoma, who was unbeaten at the conference. Something's fishy about this line. The Iowa Maryland one. Yeah, another Friday great night. One. Yes, they just got beat by an awful Nebraska team. Uh-huh. How is this a two point spread? Well, there mm-hmm. it is. Iowa goes out and wins by nineteen, and it spelled the same thing out there. That's that's what you have to do in college basketball. Sniff out those lines that just seem too good to be true, and. We talk about this a lot in football, but also in basketball. It's never as bad as it looks in a single game. It's never as good as it looks in a single game either. But we fall into that trap, I think, a lot, as we did last week with Iowa and Iowa State. Just how bad they looked in those games. How there's no chance at redemption. There's always a chance at redemption. Sure. We saw that last in a weekend. Big, big way. Yeah. yeah, we really did. Well, hopefully Iowa State can uh, uh, pick themselves up and go beat the Texas Tech Red Raiders this weekend. Not going to be easy. You know it's bad for tomorrow night. I feel bad for the uh, – well, not feel bad. Athletic department's right, rolling in the money. But the fans, right? If, if indeed we do get the storm – the weather that we're supposed oh, to get. Oh, the storm of the century? The storm of the century that's going to blow in here this time tomorrow morning. It'll be on. Maybe a storm of the decade. Maybe, but it's going. apparently it's going to be bad. It, it prevents, I really believe this. If you're a Central Iowa Hawkeye fan, mm-hmm. you're going over there for an 8 o'clock tip and you're going to fight I-80 in the dark in the, in the middle of freaking January. You, you weren't going to do it last week, and I don't think you're certainly going to do it this week. I, mean, I kind of feel bad for the the, the guy that, uh, or the guy, I have no idea who it was, the one the four Michigan tickets right. to tomorrow night. Might have to be getting a hotel room to go along yeah, with it. Yeah, because, man. it's uh, And it seems like, and, and maybe it's just not true, but it seems like Iowa, at least the last few years. Looks like Iowa State tailgating this fall. And no, no doubt, absolutely. A great call there where it feels like just every single time, oh, it's beautiful throughout the weekend, yes. here it comes. And... Saturday, if this game was on Saturday, it'd be fine uh-huh. for the most part, it looks like. Yeah, cold, but, but fine. But this is a Friday night game. I think John Bonacamp told us yesterday it's it's uh, 
the weather gods getting back at Iowa and the Big Ten for scheduling Friday night games yeah, when you're supposed like to have them. basketball. Yeah, I know you do. I do. You're the one. No, I think the basketball they games do. are going I, over I a little better. It. Yes. Than, certainly than the football. Um, but look, we'll, we'll see. And I get it, the, the Minnesota-Iowa game on a Friday night. It would have been. It's great when they play up there and the Vikings play the next day. Of course, the NFL schedule's not out there. We don't know if that opportunity was going to present itself. Well, speaking of football, we've hardly touched on these all week long, and we're just now, what, a couple of days away, well, three days away from uh, determining who's going to play in the Super Bowl. Bill Vinovich is the referee. I think he, he's been assigned uh, the the white hat for the, refer, uh, for the Super Bowl. He's pretty good. Um, doesn't throw a lot of flags. And that's okay. Yes. That's okay. Let him play. Let him play. It's, it's the biggest game of the year. Let him play, for crying out loud. But both of these games, Trent, I think that, well, uh, Ravens fans might argue the point, but after what we've seen Tennessee now go into New England, go into Baltimore with a chance to complete the trifecta by knocking off the Chiefs at Arrowhead, I don't think they will. But... If they do, I mean, talk about the path to the Super Bowl. Like we talked about after the regular season ended for the Vikings. What lies ahead? They're going to have to go to New Orleans. They're going to have to go to San Francisco. And then either to Seattle or Lambeau to earn their spot on Super Bowl Sunday. It's been the same way for the Titans. And so far, the Titans have taken two down. And they're on to the next, which is uh, the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday afternoon. I think it's going to be, I think the favorites hold, don't you? Mm, I think so. If I had to pick an upset of the two... Packers? I think it's Packers for me. Because of what you saw to Rodgers last week against Seattle? That's a big part of it. The defense, the way that they played. Mm-hmm. Smith Brothers. Yes, that, that helps out in a big way. And they can run the football. Yeah. And, and they can... They can. Jimmy G didn't do a whole lot. He didn't have to do a whole lot. They ran the football. But I don't know if the 49ers are going to be as effective running the football this week as they mm-hmm. were last week against the Vikings. And... Maybe it's just that sitting in the back of my mind, and if it's Rodgers against Garoppolo in the fourth quarter, who do I want? I want Aaron yeah, Rodgers. I'm with you. I want Aaron Rodgers in that spot. But you got to keep your head above water, and it can't turn out like the last time these two teams played. Was it 37-8? to eight? It was brutal. Was that the final? It was something yeah, weird it was, like it was, that. They, they crushed them. It was just a domination from start right. to finish in that one. Well, and, we've and seen both you... of these games this year, Tennessee and Kansas City. Tennessee got it done Tennessee in a fluky game. But it was in Houston. I was in, uh, was in Tennessee. Um, Nashville. Nashville. Um. Yeah. Well, it's a couple of rematches. I think they're both going to be good. They're both seven and a half, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the point spread lies, but uh, I I think the chalk is going to hold, and we're going to be treated to uh, the Chiefs and the Niners, and I'm okay with that. Chiefs Niners would be a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Plenty of storylines to talk about in Kansas City getting back for the first time. Fifty years, Trent. Fifty a chance years. to win it. And you know what? As much as I used to hate Kansas City, but it was more. I don't have the uh, the the spite that I used to have for the for the for, not necessarily the fans, but because I was hardcore. Right when mm-hmm. Elway was playing and he was um, you know winning those Super Bowls at the end, I was I was hardcore, passionate. I don't have that anymore. I think maybe the Jets moving home. Maybe changed a little of my fandom. That's your number yeah, one. Yeah, that's my that's my heartbeat, right? The, the, my hometown team, uh, but. So I, if, if the Chiefs win, it would have gutted me before. I would have hated it. Yeah. I clearly would have rooted against whoever they're playing. I kind of like the Chiefs fans to, to, you know, to realize what it's like to have their team finally get there. It's been a long time. I, I also have in the back of my mind with Tennessee and finding a way to win that game, they're going to have to win it a different way. They can't win it in the same fashion as these first two. I don't see them being able to jump out to a lead and hold on for dear life mm-hmm. against Kansas City. They're going to have to score. Tannehill's going to have to do a whole lot yep. more. 
in this game. Wasn't thrown for 100 yards in either one of the first two. It's just unthinkable. It's crazy. In 2020, that, that's the way you're winning playoff games. But there's something about Andy Reid still sticking in my mind. What's his record in, it's awful. in conference championship it's, games? It's not one good. and seven? It's not good. They got there once. They got there once. And Terrell Owens, should, was, I mean... Um, could have won that Super Bowl. Yes. But that was, Don McNabb puked in that game, right? You're right, yes. I think he did at the end of it. Against uh, the Patriots. Against the Patriots. In Jacksonville? Is that where that one was? I, I don't think remember. so. I think it was in Jacksonville. Anyways, we will come back. We'll uh, get to switch gears entirely. Uh, Joe O'Donnell from the Iowa Wild. The Wild are beginning uh, their home for... Uh, they got a good long homestand, and we understand why. They're about to get booted out again. <laughs> because before we know it, it'll be time for the girls and the boys and the wrestling uh, down at Wells Fargo Arena. So they're home for a good uh, group here in the next couple of weeks. We'll talk to Joe O'Donnell. Ben Jacobson, you and I's head basketball coach, is scheduled to join us. I'm really glad that they came back and beat Valpo. Yeah. First time we're going to talk to Coach Jake this year, and after a disappointing loss, eh, wasn't really into that. But uh, that wasn't the case. They had a big spurt. I'm convinced Haldeman's two threes at the end of that first half, first 20 minutes, instead of going to the locker room down 12, they were only down six. That's a huge difference. We'll talk to Ben Jacobson about that and about his team at 1045. Frank Schwab, YahooSports.com. We'll opine uh, a little more on the two NFL games and then Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette. Trent and I, until noon, before we go to break, let's do this. It's time to pay your bills with iHeartRadio and 1460KXNO. Text the keyword TAXI to 200-200 right now. That's your chance to win a grand. 200-200, the keyword is TAXI. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. The voice of the Iowa Wild, Joe Donald next, Miller and Condon till noon, 1460. Our mission. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Uh, with you here until noon, uh, coming up in about full 15, 18 minutes, uh, Ben Jacobson scheduled to join us, head coach of the UNI Panthers. Let's talk some hockey, shall we? Joe Donald, the voice of the Iowa Wild, who did some NHL games. So I haven't spoken with Joe uh, since he got the call to do to, to the show. We'll find some time for that as well. Iowa Wild back at home, and they're going to be home for a while, which is great. And they're playing very good hockey. Sit second uh, place in the Central Division. Look, you don't have to go back too far to... Uh, to remember what it was like that this town actually can become a hockey town as it did last year uh, in the playoffs. Let's hope that lightning can strike twice and we can go through that again. They're playing good hockey. He's the voice, Joe O'Donnell, back from the road. How are you, Joe? Hey, Phil. Thanks for having me. Good to talk to you, Joe. Uh, the team is playing very yeah. well. It's been uh, it's been great out on the road. Um, what's been the biggest difference, do you think, the fact that this team seemingly uh, is hitting their stride? I think probably the depth. Kenny, I think it's a great question because, you know, it is a long season and outside of one hiccup, uh, you know, four game losing streak, which was just over a month ago now, this team has been playing pretty consistent hockey and whether it's been a few guys going up to the NHL or some guys backing up and not in the lineup, uh, other than that little blip on the radar, this team hasn't really missed much of a beat. So I, I would point to the depth, um, the returning players, and then, um, I think really just the, the collective effort. I mean, really everybody on this team has contributed in some form or another at some point. And that type of uh, ability to have 
up and down your lineup, some scoring contributions, some good goaltending, solid special teams. Going to give you a chance almost every night. So getting off the road trip here, you were in Bakersville, San Diego before that. Got to figure <laughs> nice. that's about as good of a road trip as you're going to find. But uh, no, I'll, no, no, Winnipeg, Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's number one on the list. What is the, your favorite a <laughs> arena outside of, of course, Wells Fargo to call a game in? And then, and then secondly, take San Diego off the map. That's the easy one of those more kind mid tier cities out there. What's a fun road trip for you? Um, I do enjoy Milwaukee a lot. That's a great town to go to. Um, Grand Rapids is pretty nice as well. Grand Rapids, Michigan, as far as like the division teams. But we get to go down to San Antonio and Austin a couple times a year, Trent. So um, I'd have to put them near the top of the list as well. And then, you know, you touched on like a San Diego or even an Ontario, California, still sort of Southern Cali. Um, both those, those towns offer a lot in addition to the sunshine. Uh, from an arena standpoint, Oh, that's a, that's, a, uh, that's a good question. Um, press box, vantage point, those sorts of things. Um, gosh, maybe Rockford, actually, just because you're like it's just a great perch mm. uh, and an exciting building because their crowd's right on top of you and they get into it. Uh, it's not my favorite city to go to, but uh, <laughs> from a building standpoint and, and like a broadcaster setup. It's pretty nice. Um, there's not too many bad ones, really, in the American Hockey League, at least in the Western Conference. Uh, but I've been doing this long enough, seen enough buildings, been enough press boxes where, at this point, I know what I'm expecting when I get there. Um, so I try not to let it rattle me too much if you're in a corner or you got a small space to work in, those sorts of things. You know, you mentioned uh, guys coming, uh, getting called up and coming back, and Mayhew's clearly at the top of that list. He, he leads, I think he's second in the league in scoring. He's right there at the top of it, despite the fact he spent some time in the NHL. What's, uh, why can't he stick, Joe? Because we see him down here and he just dominates this competition. He looks like he should be playing uh, at the next level. You know, we heard about all guys in, uh, in in the summer, right? Well, he's he's not triple A, he's not a major league, he's a quadruple A type of guy. Is Mayhew that guy, or what does he need to do the next time he gets his opportunity uh, to maybe stick with the parent club? It's a great question. I mean, and, and I talked about this the other night on the broadcast, but in his last 45 American Hockey League games, so the AHL level, including the playoffs, so last year's 11 playoff games and the 35 he's played this year, 34 he's played this year, he has had 35 goals in his last 45 games. It's crazy. So, and it's insane. And he's leading the AHL right now with 26 goals. He's been red hot. He's got points in 11 of his last 12. He can do a power play, shorthanded, five on five. He's in the opposing team's face. He plays with an edge to his game. He competes as you know what off. Uh, he did get those six NHL games this year, his first ever taste. He did score twice. Um, you know, he proved, I think, that he could score at that level. But I think the biggest thing for him in talking with the coaches is just that consistent defensive effort. You know, you can't turn in the D zone. you got to stop and start. You've got to be more engaged defensively. you got to be more committed defensively. I'm not saying he can't do those things. But I think if he shows the coaches here and Minnesota management here that he's dialed in defensively every day, every game, uh, because when he goes up there, they're going to rely on him to be accountable defensively. Mm-hmm. I think if he gets another opportunity and those things are buttoned up, that's when maybe he doesn't just get a two- or three-game cameo. Uh, he can start to make an impact. The other part of it, too, is just sometimes circumstance, right? I mean, if Minnesota fades out of the playoff picture, 
they might give guys a look just to give guys a mm, look. Yeah. In which case, he might get 10 or 15 games at the tail end of the year. I don't want to say just because, because he's obviously earned it. But that type of opportunity could be something where he gets on somebody else's radar or makes enough of an impact in Minnesota where you know he sticks there full time. And it's it's so different too. Like for a guy like him, I mean, he's down here, he's playing first line minutes. He he's the guy, and yet when he goes up there, he's he's not going to be on that first line. He's probably going to. I mean, I don't know where uh, Boudreaux slotted him, but he probably a bottom six at some point. Instead of you know playing twenty twenty plus minutes a night. Uh, in the AHL, he's going down there. He's maybe playing eight or nine minutes. He's not getting the opportunities uh, that he does when he's here. So it's an entirely different role, I guess, is where I'm coming from. 100%, and that's why a lot of guys don't ever either get the chance or don't make the most of their chance because they're just not accustomed to those roles. They're used to playing, like you talked about, 22 minutes a night in the American League, power play, shorthanded, five-on-five. You go to the NHL, you might get eight shifts. Right. You better be locked in defensively, uh, and you better bring something to the table away from the puck as opposed to just, yay, chipped in a goal, but we lost 5-1, and he was a liability all night long. Talking with Joe O'Donnell right now, the voice of the Iowa Wild. You know, I, I was thinking, and I heard you uh, broadcast a week or two ago, and you were talking about Tim Army and his impact mm. coming in a season ago. This is an organization, the Wild, since they had come back, that hadn't had a whole lot of success. Turns it around right away in year number one, make that run in the playoffs. It was so much fun this spring, and I, I think a lot of people here across the city getting to know this Iowa Wild and the organization, but his impact as a whole to the organization. Uh, I mean, it's been... It certainly meant something, you know, to say the least, the way that he's come in and tried to implement his style, his culture, um, his high-energy nature. And I'll tell you one thing. I said this to a bunch of people. I know no coach likes to lose and no player likes to lose, but he literally absolutely hates it to the point where it's sometimes it's almost concerning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, when I, you know, when I see him, I talk, like he just, he hates it so much that he is always, you know, detailed in his work and, and making sure that the guys are prepared. And it really, it's the whole coaching staff. I mean, Brett McLean's been with the staff now for three years. Alex Kangay, making the transition from player to coach, um, has done a nice job running the penalty kill unit and, and working with the team's forwards and skill development. I think really it's a collective, eight, uh, collective effort from these guys, but Coach Army certainly has brought his own unique style. Uh, the players have bought in and really gotten off to good starts in both of his years behind the bench. And when you get off to a good start, it allows you then to have a, you know, a rough patch here or there and still survive. The problem for the Iowa Wild early on in their tenure was for the most part starting October and November so poorly. Now you're behind the eight ball. That's before you ever get to your injuries and call-ups that plague everybody in this league. And then you've got a long way to go. Mm. Uh, can they catch Milwaukee, Joe? Is this the, is this the best team from you know that you've seen? They clearly they lead the Central Division, and they do so by a significant margin. I think they might have the biggest lead uh, in the they do in the entire AHL. So are they yeah. head and shoulders above anybody that you've seen this year? Well, that's a great question, Milwaukee. I don't know if they can be caught. You know, they're going to have to come down to earth a little bit. They continue to win at such a clip. It's going to be hard for anybody to catch them. The Wild have played well against them this year. And taken two of the three meetings, if uh, memory serves me correctly, or excuse me, two of the four, but one was a shootout game, so the Wild got a point in that. So Iowa's got points in almost every game they played Milwaukee. Remember, they beat them last year in the playoffs, yep. so the Wild uh, have had their number recently. 
But Milwaukee, yes, really good hockey team. The other team that stands out to me that the Wild have played are the Tucson Roadrunners. Uh, I think they only have six or seven regulation losses. They're a very detailed and structured team in the Pacific Division of the Western Conference. That's the Arizona Coyotes farm team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was just in uh, San Diego the other night, Bob Ferguson, who's uh, been around this game and, and sport for a long time and used to be with the Iowa Chops and the Des Moines Buccaneers. He's the GM of the San Diego Gulf. He said he thought the Wild were the best team he's seen wow. all year. So um, Iowa's right up there as far as the Western Conference goes. And the only team we haven't seen yet uh, that's on the schedule is the one that we'll be hosting tomorrow night and Saturday in the San Jose Barracuda. Other than that, the Wild have played each of each of their opponents so far. Yeah, we'll get to that military appreciation night, uh, military appreciation night tomorrow, and then a post game concert on Saturday. You know, just for, as an aside, Joe, uh, this one for me, but I get to Tucson a lot. Where is where do they play there? Is it by the University of Arizona? Uh, the Tucson Convention Center, which isn't too far um, off the campus, and it's like right downtown. Okay, it's sort of like what I would consider like a retrofitted barn, like. You walk in and it doesn't really have a hockey rink feel to it. It's sort of like a building with a with a sheet of ice in the middle of it. If that makes sense. Okay. Uh, very spacious and sort of spread out. Uh, their seating is is sort of scaled up high, and their crowd to me has always been very interesting because it's a unique demographic. It's a lot of older folks. Mm. Um, I didn't see a lot of twenty five and thirty year olds at the game Not the good. last couple of years. I see a lot of uh, white haired. <laughs> people for lack of better now, don't be killing my demographic hey, hey, hey I, I try to be gentle yeah. um but they're wearing all kinds of hockey jerseys nhl jerseys yeah. and they actually get a pretty decent crowd for some of their weeknight games couple thousand people in the building so i think they are pretty well supported it's just a, what i consider at least from sitting up top of press row a uh, very unique demographic interesting good way to put it all right let's talk about the weekend uh and good homestand coming up here it's, it's terrific but uh, military appreciation night tomorrow night and then a concert uh following the game on saturday tell us about those two big events joe yeah so we're giving away a hat tomorrow night iowa wild hat uh military appreciation night is always a special evening with so many folks uh locally you know veterans and active service men and women um just always had sort of that emotional feel to that game that's seven o'clock tomorrow night plus we have two dollar beers presented by the boss for friday night home games saturday night is six o'clock puck drop we have andy grammar performing after the game um supposed to be a great crowd hopefully the weather holds up uh, and looking forward to a couple of good games San Jose struggled this year so if you're looking for a a uh, chance for maybe the Wild to pick up a couple of wins. This could be a good weekend for that. Teams won four of its last five at home, and and uh, as you pointed out, uh, just about ten games above five hundred in a playoff spot right now. So playing good hockey, got an opponent coming in that uh, that needs the points, and we've got some great promotions. Uh, Joe, as uh, we promised back in the fall, when football season is over, we'll find a whole lot more time to talk hockey with you guys as you push toward the playoffs. Joe O'Donnell, the voice of the Iowa Wild. Joe, thank you. Good to talk to you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yep, Joe O'Donnell from the Iowa Wild home for the next two nights. All right, take a time out. Ben Jacobson, the UNI Panther head coach, scheduled to join us next. Miller and Condon till noon. Frank Schwab on the NFL at 1115. Mark Morehouse on Hawkeye football and Big Ten West uh, in general with Mark coming up at about 1135. On 14-6-0. Welcome back, Miller.
Aaron Kahn in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. With you here until noon. Frank Schwab coming up at 1115. Uh, 1135, Mark Morehouse. Uh, working on Ben Jacobson, you and I head basketball coach. Apparently something's come up as he's mm-hmm. not answering the phone. So we, uh, well, we'll reschedule him if we can. If we can't, we'll... Save it for another time. Absolutely. Nice uh, win for the Panthers. No, it was a nice night. win for the Panthers last night. No doubt about it. They were way behind and came back at the end of that first half with a couple of big shots and then pulled away. Green is playing out of his mind, mm-hmm. as you would anticipate. And it's funny you mentioned that because we talked earlier about the West Virginia game and how mm-hmm. that went awry. That was really the last game he played really poorly in since Was then. it? I mean, he his shooting percentages have skyrocketed. They put so much on his plate last well, he, year Well, is a he freshman. second in the league in scoring? I think I that saw that. Right, the kid yeah. from Valpo, Freeman Liberty, is mm-hmm. uh, is leading the league. Anyways, uh, we'll get back. we got to do some Drake stuff coming up here as well. Yes. Uh, with uh, Coach DeVries as they mm-hmm. continue to write a nice story. By the way, did you see the uniforms? I'm not a uniform guy. You, I, I am. You are. I, I was blown you. away by what I saw. Really cool idea. I love it. This now, this guy Harden, I don't know if it's him, mm-hmm. but he's probably, I mean, he's sitting at the end of the table in these staff meetings, I would assume, so I'm going to give him credit until I'm told otherwise. Yes. Because I think he's doing a great job over mm-hmm. there, and I've never met him. Brian, Brian Harden. Uh, he's doing things right. He's getting Drake on the... Um, on, on the map, he is locally. Like it's always going to be a tough sell, right? Yes. Uh, you went to Iowa. You went to Iowa State. We we get that. Uh, but Des Moines hometown team's got a ring to it, and the jerseys. When are they going to wear these? I'm not positive. Both the men and the women are going to wear them. Is it? I don't know if it's this weekend, but they're Des Moines. Yes, that's what it says across the chest. It does not Drake, right? It's Des Moines, and you talk about marketing, and that's what mm-hmm. you have to do. You have to try to find a way to carve out a niche, and you look at similar size cities. Creighton fills that building. Right. It's a huge building. Yes. Of over 16,000 over uh-huh. CenturyLink. I don't know what it's called now. Is it still CenturyLink? Is, I don't know. But, but I know they've gone through a right. lot. Of, but it's a big building. It'd be like Drake playing at Wells Fargo. Right. Very similar. Well put. But they put it together. Now, well, they sell beer. That's a part of it. Well, so does Drake. They do. Yeah. I uh, had a cold one last year when I was at a game at the National. How were the lines? Do you remember? Long. Yeah. Long. <laughs> They've, uh, they have improved upon that, though. Uh-huh. Things are getting better in that. They've opened up a, a few more stands. But these are the things that you have to do to carve out a niche. And it's not... D- can you buy a beer at the McLeod Center? Sorry to interrupt. Yes. You. Yes, okay. you can That's now. relatively new, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. For years, it was just the people in the upper reaches sitting in the boxes mm-hmm. that were able to do that. Now... That is available throughout, and it's going to be coming someday to Hilton and Carver. I, I would think Carver would be first. I, I don't think Pollard has uh, – I don't think he wants to go down that path. I really don't. The, the beer thing seems to be a non-starter. It to seems him. that way with Barta, though, too, doesn't it? Although, think back to last year. Didn't it come up at uh, Big Ten it Media did. Day? Somebody asked him that question. It was football-related. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to sell beer at Kinnick, it's not right, like you're right. not going to do it at, at Carver, for crying out loud. Absolutely. I just think uh, if if I was to guess, I would think that Iowa would probably be next – and then Iowa State will go. Could be wrong. We we shall see. Um, I do want to touch on, at some point, maybe to start the 11 o'clock hour, Jessica Mendoza, really the first big name to come out and to criticize Mike Fires for blowing the whistle uh, on the uh, Houston Astros scandal. She's got a real problem with it. And, you know, give her credit. She went uh, she went public uh, with uh, with uh, her beliefs and she, she has an opinion. She put it out there. It's not going over very well. Well, Ben Jacobson is going to join the program. He does so right now. Head coach of UNI, nice win last night. Coach uh, Trent Condon, Ken Miller is presented by Washer Systems of Iowa. They look after all of our Missouri Valley Conference conversation. How are you, Coach? Nice win. 
Yeah, good morning, guys. Uh, yeah, appreciate you having me on. Now, listen, uh, watch the end of the first half. Now, tell me, am I overreacting to this? Because I thought Haldeman's back-to-back threes. You guys go down in the go into the locker room down twelve. Halderman makes both of those shots inside the final minute or whatever it was, um, and it's only a six-point deficit. And then you just burst out of the gate in the second half. How big were those two buckets going into the locker room, Coach? Yeah, those were key. There's, uh, that's, we talked about that in the hallway as coaches before we went in to see the team after the game. And that was, uh, there's no question that, uh, Spence making those two shots was, was a key for us to be in, uh, uh, just being a little closer. You know, we had, we had started the game, um, so I think it was 17 to maybe 17 to six and, and, uh, um, the way we had played at Missouri State on Saturday, mm-hmm. coming off of um, a, a great, you know, a great game for the guys on Saturday, and then jumping out of the gates, and so it, it felt like we may, you know, we may be going to a spot where we've got a nice lead at halftime. And, and man, I give Velpo just a, you know, a ton of credit. They've got a, they've got a really good young team. I think they've just got one senior on the roster, and they they dug in it. They couldn't uh, miss. Forced us, <laughs> no, they well, they, and they forced us into some turnovers and yeah. uh, able to get some runouts and. So, you know, there we find ourselves all of a sudden, you know, we're down 10 or 12. So, yeah, that Spence's two threes were, uh, those were big for us. Coach, we talked a little bit earlier about A.J. Green last season, his freshman campaign. Obviously came in with huge expectations, a top 100 player nationally, and uh, playing there with your assistant coach's dad certainly helped in that process. But you put so much play during his freshman year. Now as a sophomore, talk about his growth, what you've seen out of here, him, your number two, going through the battles in the Valley. Well, you know, the experience of last year has, has helped him, and I think you see that with, I think you see that with guys a lot, um, especially, you know, especially when you've got guys that that work at it and and put in a tremendous amount of time. And AJ is is one of those guys that uh, it, every single day he's working on something, um, and you know he's working on his game, but then he's also working on something that maybe happened in the game that we just played. Uh, Maybe something that that he hasn't done quite as well, or something that our team needs. And when you've got a guy like that who now has a year under his belt, uh, and you know the amount of minutes he played, the role he played last year as a true freshman for us, and you know he got better and better as the year went on a year ago. But um, I think that ex- you know that experience has helped him. His work ethic is what drives it. Uh, and then you know he's got. He's in a situation now where he's, we, we've got an older team. You know, AJ's a year older. Trey is a year older. Austin Fife is back at that center position. Gives us a different presence there. Spencer and, and uh, Isaiah Brown and Justin Dahl, the seniors, are playing their best. Ty is healthy. So we, we've, we've just get, we've got an older team, and that um, that has helped AJ as well. Got out of the gate so well, Coach. I want to go back to the uh, the West Virginia game. It's right around Thanksgiving. You guys seemingly, I thought you had Huggins' team beat. I remember, you know, a little disappointed in some of the West. I'm sure you were worse than I was watching it. Statue of limitations, I don't know how long that lingers for when it comes to talking about those games. But, boy, when you look back at it, now knowing what West Virginia has become subsequently and where they sit in the Big 12, if it would have, should have, boy, that would have been a nice win on that resume. Yeah, it, you know, we we knew they were that they were really good going into the game, uh, and our guys played great. Yeah, we were, we, you know, we led the entire game. And, you know, Isaiah hit a hit a three with about eight eight minutes uh, to go to put us up fifteen. We were in great position, uh, and then we uh, you know got a little bit little careless with a couple possessions and gave them just a little bit of life. You know, we cracked the door open just a little for them, and they took advantage of it. And what I liked is you know our guys came back the next night against South Carolina and. 
and uh, you know grinded one out. And after you know some disappointment from from that West Virginia game, so it was a you know, great opportunity for us to uh, you know to learn about learn about our team and, and our guys, and they responded well in that in that South Carolina game. Ben Jacobs and joining us, the head coach of the UNI Panthers. UNI sitting very good right now, fifteen and two, including four and one in conference play. Coming up this weekend, though, it's another road trip for you guys as you make your way over to Bradley. And I'm sure plenty of memories of a year ago in March uh, still linger around. The guys not going to be too difficult to get these guys locked in for this one. Yeah, and you know we've played them at our place already. Uh, you know, so you know that that uh, I think that was would have been uh, more a part of the first game uh, mm-hmm. when we saw each other. You know, now mm-hmm. it's, you know, we're five games in, going to be, a, you know, with uh, after Saturday's games or the weekend's games for everybody, we're a third of the way through the Valley schedule. Wow. And so I, I think we're on to, you know, we're on to other things right now. Uh, but, I, you know, I know going into the first one two weeks ago that, you know, some of our guys, it was it was on the front of their mind. And um, I, I think it, you know, that only lasts for a, a few possessions, Guys, right? I mean, you you can you know you can have that be a part of it, but you get ten possessions into the game, right. you, you've still got fifty five to sixty possessions to go, and, and so the games are still you know they're they're still about you know fundamentally doing the stuff that you've got to get done with your team. The scouting report stuff is important, and you know spe- specific to Bradley, they they've just got a really good team. You know, they were they were great at the end of the year last year. Uh, a number of those guys are back. You know, Canell and Brown. Are two of the better players in the league, so that they've just got a really good team, and they, they've been hard to play against, you know, home or away. But they've been really good at their place, so we're, uh, you know, we're looking forward to that challenge Saturday. You know, coaches, as, as we look ahead, and, and we see now, there's really no dominant team in college basketball this year. And might the committee, and I'll use the word, I think they get lazy. I do. They look for Power Five, and now oh, we'll just put a Power Five team, even though they're, you know, 500 as opposed to giving a, uh, you know, a mid-major another bid. If you have, um, might this be the year we get a market correction and get more deserving teams into it, and the com- instead of the committee just finding a, a Power Five team and plunking them in? Well, you know the thing that's the thing that's gotten uh, gotten a little bit uh, you know a little bit harder, uh, guys, is the you know the the net ranking. Yep. And you know, they use the Ken Palm you know, rankings. They use the net ranking, and those things th- those things are you know there's some positives to them, but so much of it is you know the opportunities you have to play against you know for us West Virginia and South Carolina Colorado and, uh, game at Colorado mm-hmm. yeah those types of games you know we get a handful of them uh, for our league you know talking league wide now for for our 10 you know for our 10 schools we only get a handful of those opportunities in the non-conference and um and then you get into conference play and you know you you've got You've just got more opportunities in the Power Five conferences because of the you know there's you know we we don't have two hours to to discuss things to do with scheduling and, right. and uh, the analytic stuff and the committee and uh, but you know a number of those things are have you know have been tilted and uh, so you know it's a uh, when you when you ask about you know is there going to be a correction well they they've got it you know they've got it pretty well pretty well moved moved in a direction where it's uh you know the opportunities is what it's about and we don't you know we don't have as many of those sadly you're right coach we're out of time thank you for popping on this morning nice win last night keep it going at bradley as you lead uh the missouri valley conference good start coach thank you
Okay, thanks. Yep, good to talk to you. Ben Jacobson, uh, Washer Systems of Iowa, presents all of our Missouri Valley Conference conversation throughout uh, the basketball season. All right, we'll get a timeout in here. We'll come back. I want to touch on the Jessa Mendoza. It's fairly the first big name uh, that has a problem. She criticized Mike Fires for blowing the whistle hmm. on the Astros and did so publicly uh, with um, one of the ESPN show, Golik and Wingo, I think. Okay. So big, certainly a big audience. We'll do that. Frank Schwab is here. So is Mark Morehouse. We're here till noon. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines. Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.